You may be seated. Um, again, reminder, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. That's the passage we're going to look at today. And again, we just heard the passage where Jesus is ascending into heaven and he's giving this final um, great commission to his disciples. And so we're going to fast forward and look at 2 Timothy and see how that all of Paul's life, even on the verge of his death, is completely and totally focused on that statement that Jesus said. It's completely and focused on the mission that Jesus has given Paul, that Jesus has given the church, that Jesus has given to you and I. And what we'll see is that Paul is on mission with um, other people. Some of those people are on his mission team. Some of those people are going to be deserters. Some of those people are actually enemies. But through it all, we notice that the Lord is with Paul at his side the whole time. And so kind of set the imagery of a mission team. Um, We're going to watch this video, and I have to warn you, there is an expletive in there. It is also in the Bible as well. It's H-E double hockey sticks. So um, if you have kids, you might want to earmuff them uh, for, for this. And it's from the Avengers. It's a little scary. It is about a secret spy who is being activated. Mr. Barnes, I've been sent by the United Nations to evaluate you. Do you mind if I see? Your first name is James? I'm not here to judge you. I just want to ask you a few questions. Do you know where you are, James? I can't help you if you don't talk to me, James. My name is Bucky. Tell me, Bucky. You've seen a great deal, haven't you? I don't want to talk about it. You feel that uh, if you open your mouth, the horrors might never stop? Don't worry. We only have to talk about one. What the hell is this? Why don't we discuss your home? Not Romania. Certainly not Brooklyn, no. I mean, your real home. Jelanie. Rzavoy. Stop. Zinnadziet. Stop. Razviet. which turned old James there into uh, the winter soldier, this secret agent, right? Look around the room. You never know who 
is a secret agent who, if you said the right key words, could be activated for their secret mission, right? We've all seen movies like The Avengers or maybe uh, James Bond, Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible, where these secret agents are called sleeper agents who some don't even know that they are a secret agent, and then the call comes in, right? You could be standing next to a Coke machine. You could be in church. You could be at home, and then the call comes in, the secret words are said, and the agent is activated for a specific mission. They drop everything that they are doing. Some who have been undercover for decades get up, and they walk away from their jobs, from their families, and they have no idea, their families and their friends around them, that they were secret agents undercover this entire time. Again, sometimes the agents themselves don't know that they are agents until they hear a key word, until something trips something inside of them, and they drop everything to pursue the mission that they have been trained for and that they have been built for. And friends, this is exactly what happened in the early church People did not realize that they were secret agents of God chosen before time had began. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 5 says this, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us, chose his church. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The Roman Empire had no idea what hit them. Children, men, women, people of prominence, slaves, soldiers, Jews, pagans, you name it. All of a sudden, throughout the empire, all these people began to respond when they heard this activation code called the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ is risen and that he has defeated death. These activated agents, they dropped everything that they had, some of them leaving their families, some leaving their possessions, and all of them using everything that they had, their wealth, their minds, their talents, their positions in society, their lives in totality dedicated to the mission that they had been activated for. And this, friends, is what happened to the Apostle Paul, who we look at today. And we're looking at his second letter in Timothy. And we see this mentality of total mission. That everything that is important for him is just mission. And we read the passage in just a second. You're going to say, oh, it's just a bunch of names. And then you will see that Paul, up until his last breath, was completely and dedicated totally to the mission of God. So again, this is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. Again, I encourage you to open your Bibles if you have one or go online. Um, oh, I better open my Bible myself to read that passage for you. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. Let's see here. Sorry, I didn't have this marked for you. There he is. We're going to read, I'm just going to read the first verses for you, 9 through 18. All right. Oh, that's Second Timothy. <laughs> First Timothy. Oh, I must be in the wrong. I'm so sorry. No, it is Second Timothy, chapter four. 
Y'all fix me. Do your best to come to me soon. And he's writing to Timothy. For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul, who is writing this letter, was a Jewish Pharisee, right? And at first, he was completely and totally opposed to the Christian movement. In fact, he was the guy that was standing there when Stephen, the first martyr, a deacon, be wary deacons, who uh, is killed in Jerusalem, Paul is standing there, formerly Saul, saying, yes, throw rocks at that traitor at that blasphemer and kill him little did paul know that he was actually a sleeper agent right he had just not yet been activated and so later on his way to damascus jesus sets off a light and paul formally the one who was persecuting the christians was actually realized that he was loved and chosen in christ before god made the world and he woke up And he became an agent of reconciliation, God's chosen instrument to announce the kingdom of God to the Greek and Roman worlds. Everything for him from this moment of activation became about the mission to announce the kingdom of God. Everything is for the mission to which God has called Paul. If Paul is eating or sleeping, it is so that he has energy to go out and do the mission of God. The reason he asked for healing from sickness is so that he might have more energy in order to go and preach and proclaim the, the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, when he says that he has a thorn in the flesh, the, that Jesus will not heal from him, the only thing he can consider is it must somehow help the mission. It must somehow allow me to proclaim strength in weakness, and that's the only reason that God would allow me to continue to have this thorn in this flesh, this illness that will not go away. If Paul ever did CrossFit, and I don't recommend it, but if he did, he would do it so he would have strength to proclaim the gospel, not so that he could post Instagram pics. Paul never considered what he would do in retirement. You don't see him worried about his 401k. Um, His whole life... No matter what his income was, whether he was working a job, whether he was a tent maker, whether he was receiving money from a local church, or if he, was, if he ever did make it to retirement, he didn't. His whole life, no matter what it was, would always be about the mission. All his previous desires and projects, his entire old life was completely wiped away. That was dead to him. And his new life as an agent of God was completely indoted totally dedicated to the mission and much like secret agents he doesn't care if he ends up in jail if he ends up beaten or even if he loses his life which is all but certain at the end of second timothy as we read our passage today we're gonna we see that paul's only concern is the mission and it consumes him in everything he does even on the verge of execution 
the people he partners with, those who he sees as deserters or those who he sees as being um, part of the mission. It's all about where they are in the context of mission and God's strength is provided through it all. And so in this first section, what we see is that Paul views those closest to him those who are a part of the family of faith as those who are on mission with him and those who are deserters of the mission as deserters of the faith. Friends, if you and I are called into God's family, by definition, we have been activated for mission and we are on mission with one another. Now, um, let's look together at Um, Oh, there's the verses I just read. These verses that we just read have a bunch of different people who have been in relationships with Paul. And we can see that the spectrum of these relationships all depend on where they are in regards to the mission that is at the center of Paul's life. The ones that are closest to him are the ones that are fellow agents that have been activated, called by God themselves into mission. In fact, what Paul is doing in these first verses that we just read is deploying the agents on his team. The first people that are mentioned here have cool names. Damas, Crescens, Titus, Luke, Mark, Tychicus. They have all been called on mission with Paul as co-agents. We look at another book and we see that he says this in Philemon. Uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends you greetings, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke. This is the team, right? This is the fellows. Paul is telling Timothy, come quickly. I've already deployed the rest of the team strategically. Crescens, Titus, and Tychicus, they've all been sent to strategic areas in the Greco-Roman Empire for the sake of the gospel. Galatia, Dalmatia, and Ephesus. And this has left me alone with Luke. And and so you and Mark, Timothy, you need to come here. And you need to bring Mark. Why? Because he's helpful. Right? Not because I like him. I'm sure Paul did like Mark. But the main focus is that he is helpful to me in my mission. He's helpful to me in my ministry. And by the way, I need my bat belt. (laughs) I need my gear. I need my cloak and my parchment and my tools. These are the things that Paul needed for his mission. And Paul, remember, I've said it a few times, is about to die. We read in the verses leading up to this one, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. He knows. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is not the way someone talks about who thinks that there's going to be a a tomorrow that's going to work out well. It's like when your grandparent starts giving away all their things and they think it's kind of coming close, right? That is exactly what's going on here with 2 Timothy. Paul's race is finished. He knows that it's coming. The time for his departure has come. And yet we see at the end of his letter, what is he concerned about? Where he's going to be buried? How he's going to distribute his wealth? Enjoying the last moments of his life? He remains completely and utterly committed to mission we find paul deploying his team sending some of those that were the closest to him his family away right before he dies he says get away why to maximize the mission even though he's about to die 
It's clear that Paul takes seriously what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The demonstration and the proclamation of the kingdom of God is the mission of God. It is the mission of God of the church. It is not a subdivision of the church. Sometimes churches have different departments, you know, hey, there's the worship department, there's the education, there's kids ministry and student ministry, and then there's missions. Instead, it is the mission that defines who the church is, and all those other things exist for the purpose of serving the mission to seek and save the lost, to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel in the places that we live, work, and play. It is the purpose for which God has called you and I into this family. In fact, the reason that when you become a Christian, you're not instantly teleported up into heaven, into God's... Why doesn't that happen, right? When you become a Christian, just bloop, you just die, and bloop, off you go did it because you have a purpose here you have a reason for which you are called and it is to be part of a secret agent team it is a part of a mission team here in kent washington in the places that god before time began placed you whether you knew it or not today may be your secret words there is nothing else for paul not even funeral planning because in his mind he had already died Years ago, on that day to Damascus, when the light flicked and he put his old self to death and he was born again in Jesus Christ, raised to a new life that is completely and totally centered on God's mission to seek and save the lost. And we too are called to that, right? The new life that you and I have in Jesus Christ is not our own. We say that all the time from the Heidelberg Catechism. I am not my own. But I belong body and soul to Jesus Christ and to God's mission. Our families, our careers, our retirement, our hobbies, our gifts, our talents are all for God's mission to demonstrate and announce the kingdom of God in the places we live, work, and play. Let's look at that uh, Mission Impossible team again. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greeting. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Could you imagine if Ethan Bond, Ethan Hunt, James Bond, Jason Bourne, the Winter Soldier, whoever it is, the secret agent, gets the call. The moment is here. Like, you know, in the old ones where like he's like in the airplane or something and like this little message chop, drops down all of a sudden. The secret words are said, and you know this is the mission. You've trained your entire life for this mission. You've been called before the foundation of the world for this mission. And as the message displays, should you choose to accept it, right? What if the secret agent just got up and walked away? Like, no thanks. (laughs) I prefer not to. What if you just walk away? You just walk away from the mission to which you've been called. I'd rather focus on my own mission. I'd rather focus on the mission of my spouse or my children or my parents. I'd rather build my own kingdom. I'd rather make sure that my own children are set up enough that when I leave that they can have a prosperous life. I'd rather make sure that I am comfortable with all the chaos that is going around in this world. I would rather make sure 
that I can have the highest standard of living that I can get in this life um, because that's what it's all about, right? Sometimes it is out of fear that we refuse to join God's mission, to join his team, to respond. And, of course, we know that more than ever we live in frightful times. Sometimes, and I think this is more often it than fear, it is because of our love of the world and the things that this world has to offer, all the distractions of the world that lead us to abandon God's mission. We desert our mission and we desert our team. And this is what happens on Paul's team, right? And there is all, if you watch these movies, there's always a double agent. There's always someone who looks like they're on the team, but they're not on the team. And this time, um, it is Damas. Poor guy. Damas in Philemon is described as a fellow worker, and here he is described as a deserter. He's defected and given up on the mission because, as the text says, because of his love for the world. And that's not a good thing in this context. This isn't the John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is, he loved the world so much that he was like, wow, that stuff is more exciting. I'm going to leave the mission behind. He had decided that being in love with God costs too much. And can you blame him? I mean, he's sitting next to this guy, Paul. Look at Paul's life. Look what happens from a life from loving Jesus. Watch any of those Mission Impossible movies. Those people go through some hard stuff, right? I don't know if you could do those things. I I know I can. Look at the result of Paul's life, a life of loving God, a life of pouring himself on God's mission. Friends, look at Jesus' life, a life of loving God, a life of pouring yourself out for God's mission. Damas looks at those two and says, no thanks. No thank you. I choose to abandon this team for an immediate payout now rather than enduring this mission and looking not at this present age, not at this world. We should look instead at thy kingdom come. There will be some of us, some of us, he may be even here today, like Damas, who will hear the call, join the mission, be a part of the community, but will, as Jesus taught in Mark 4.18, instead of joining the mission, will be like the ones who hear the kingdom but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. And that stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. Now there are those who will desert us and will desert the mission. And then there are those who are completely opposed to the mission of God, Right? In this case, in our case, it is Alexander, the metal worker. Paul warns Timothy that Alexander is strongly opposed. Why is he upset with Alexander? What is Alexander strongly opposed to? He is strongly opposed to the message. Again, it is the mission. Read the New Testament and put everything in the context of mission and it will start to fall into place. It is, in this case, the mission of sharing the message that defines for Paul who is with him, who is a deserter, and who is Dr. Evil. Alexander is the villain because he is exceedingly opposed to the message. He may, in fact, have been the one that got Paul arrested in the first place. But don't lose mission focus, right? We note that what Paul says to Timothy, would you be angry if um, you were preaching the gospel and some guy, some metal worker, got involved and got you thrown into prison? Man, I'd be on my Facebook like complaining all about it, right? But that's not what happens here. 
Paul's advice to Timothy isn't to go after Alexander. It's don't lose mission focus. The mission is not to destroy our enemies. The mission is not to defeat our enemies politically. The mission is not to subdue our enemies through force of will or through power. But rather, Timothy is only to be aware of that enemy, Alexander, inasmuch as he poses a a threat to the real mission, to announce the kingdom of God. He says that it's up to Jesus, the Lord, the judge of the living and the dead, to determine who was with him on mission, those who deserted the mission, and those who were completely opposed to the mission. And Paul knows from past and present experience that no matter what happens on his team, no matter how many people desert, no matter how much opposition there is, that most importantly, that when we go forward from here today, when we are on mission, the Lord is at our side. Verses 16 through 18. This is the rest of the passage. At my first defense, this is in the courtroom, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The same way Jesus' disciples were not present for Jesus' trial, Peter even denying that he knew him, Paul stood in this Roman courtroom for the first phase of his trial alone. No one from his team was there. He was completely in enemy territory. And yet, because he was on God's mission and not his own mission, he did not stand there alone. He writes, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Why has he given Paul strength? The rest of it says it. So that the message might be fully proclaimed. The reason that the Lord stands at Paul's side is so that he will have strength for the mission. This is why the Lord is with him. He wrote again in 1 Timothy 1.12 earlier, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Paul is an agent appointed to serve God. He is given strength for the mission so that he can serve, so that the message, the good news, that Jesus Christ defeated death and he is risen might be fully proclaimed. A passage that we, that we often memorize is Philippians 4.13, and it's often used in a lot of places out of context. I can do all things Um, I can do everything, I I, I memorize it, all things, through him who gives me strength. Have you heard that? I can do all things through Jesus if he gives me strength. The next part of that, the next verse is, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. This is the same message that we have today, right? We are called on mission together. We share in the troubles that come from that mission. And the Lord gives us strength for that mission, even when we are on our own, in overwhelmingly desperate situations surrounded by those opposed to the mission facing death. When Paul said this, he wasn't asking for strength so that his football team would beat another football team. Paul wasn't asking, I can do all things through Jesus and and did one more, you know, pull up or burpee. Paul was given strength. The Lord stood at his side because he was pouring his life out on mission. God's mission. 
Acts 23.11 is another place we read where the Lord stood by Paul's side. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The Lord stood by Paul. The Lord strengthened Paul, saying, Take courage. Why? Again, it is in the context of mission of being a witness in Jerusalem and later in Rome at the capital of the known world. It is in the context of mission that God promises to stand by us, to strengthen us, to be present with us. One of the greatest statements that we say, and we repeat it and it's memorized over and over again, is when Jesus says, before he ascends, before he goes home, I am with you always until the end of the age. Isn't that a comforting statement that Jesus says right before he leaves? But what are the verses right before that? Go. Be my sent ones. Be my missionaries. Be my agents. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. It is in the context of mission that we are empowered by His Holy Spirit. It is in the context of mission that the Lord is at our side. It is in the context of mission that we can do everything through Him who gives us strength. It is in the context of mission in the face of death because of the mission that Paul says, the Lord will rescue me. The Lord will deliver me from evil. That the Lord will deliver us from evil from every evil attack and bring us safely to his heavenly kingdom. Friends, we are called into God's family, but it is a family of missionaries. It is a family of activated agents. And we are on mission with one another and we are on mission with the Lord at our side. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Paul presents a challenge to say the least, in living out the example of mission. Father, we ask that now, by the power of your Spirit, you would lead us, that you would open our eyes to the places in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we have entertainment, in our own families perhaps. Where is it that you have activated us to be your agents of reconciliation. Father, stand by us and give us strength. We need it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.